Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Coffeehouse Theology, the summer edition. This is Wednesday, July 22nd. Uh, and this month is flying by, and uh, we continue to parallel our daily Bible reading as a church. Uh, and so uh, we've uh, covered some of the minor prophets. We get to one of the major prophets today, uh, the book of Isaiah. Brian, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. Good. You ready to tackle the Mount Everest of biblical prophecy, as they call it? Absolutely. This is going to be the first 24-hour podcast we've had. It's, <laughs> it's very nice. So, well, we, and we're still not going to cover Isaiah thoroughly, but... Yeah, we, we won't really do that. It, but it, it is it is a staggering work. I mean, just just from a literary standpoint, it's it's such a tremendous honor, right, to to be able to present these works. Yeah. So we're going to kind of skip from mountaintop to mountaintop. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. just give you some frames of reference as we go. So let's pray for God's help and the Spirit's <laughs> illumination as we do that. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you uh, for the chance that we have to study your Word. Uh, God, um, you yourself quoted from Isaiah many times uh, in the Gospels, and 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 uh, God, it, it's just such an incredible work. So God, we are in awe of your word as always, but today would you help us to have some handles as we understand your words for your people. Uh, and so God, speak to us today as we walk through the book of Isaiah, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And and so we, we've got these, uh, the, we've got a change of scene, right, from the four prophets last week to scene seven, where we're, we're looking at the prophets of the southern kingdom as God's people. And Isaiah is our, our first you know, major prophet that we're looking at. And as you said, he's the, the Mount Everest uh, of prophecy. Uh, and because Isaiah 66 chapters, mm-hmm. and we're corresponding to the 66 books of the Bible, and the first 39, like the 39 of the Old Testament, are filled with judgment and immoral and adulterous men, right? Judah and the surrounding nations and the whole earth is sinned. And then the final 27 chapters, which are like correspond to the 27 chapters of the New Testament, declare a message of hope and salvation, right? Proclaiming that the, the Savior is coming to bear a cross and a crown. And we, when we think of Isaiah, we typically think of these beautiful scriptures, right, that we read at Easter and that we read at Christmas. And, and that we you know, blessed are the, on the are the feet of those that bring good tidings, right? And the and the, and the fifty two and fifty three about the Messiah, but we forget that it comes in this context of judgment, right? In this context of darkness, that that there's all of this judgment, and then these things of hope. And I think that's so relevant to to where we are. We see so much darkness, we see so so much strife, so much fear, and that's what I, that's what Isaiah is preaching to. But in in these are these glimpses of hope. Right, glimpses of the kingdom that we see pop up, yeah. and how how beautiful that is. Well, and we keep talking about how relevant the prophets are for our moment, our cultural moment. And yep. again, you see that we see we see darkness everywhere we look. You know, on yep. uh, our news feeds and our social media. You know, there's just discouragement. But yet, yet when it's dark, the light gets through. That's right. That's right. There's always that remnant. There's always that faithful. Right. There's always and there's always the faithfulness of God. And so we talk about who uh, Isaiah is, who wrote the book. There, there are academic discussions about multiple authors, and the reason I bring that up is nearly every study Bible I saw brought that up, that there's potentially an author for the first 39 chapters, and then the second set, and sometimes they divide the second set into you know, Deutero and Titro, Isaiah. <laughs> uh, you know, Jesus, when he referred back to, he quotes out of Isaiah more than any other prophet, and when he quoted, yeah. he quoted from all three sections, and in all, all the times he quoted him, he referred to him as Isaiah. And so that's, that's confirmation enough for me that, there, okay. that there's a, a single author t- to these things. Uh, he, he writes very little about himself, right? right. He, he says his father was Amos, which is not to be confused with the prophet Amos that we looked at last week or like a couple weeks ago. Um, and he was married and a father. Yep. Right, and he, and oftentimes he's called the Paul of the Old Testament just because of how how um, 
broad the, and magnificent the theology. We talked about right. Micah a couple of weeks ago that was so practical, right? Yep. Very much toward the social. And this is more of the kind of almost right prince and principalities yeah. that Isaiah talks about. And it's magnificent. We we could spend just an unlimited time talking about it as a as a literary work. Right. Not not even the theology, just the literary it is a brilliant Hebrew literary work. But it's but it's so theologically rich. Right. And and you're and one of the things we talked about a couple of weeks ago was the, the minor prophets you can almost get in bite-sized chunks. But when you're getting into Isaiah and Jeremiah, they are, they are so intense and so long and so you can almost lose yourself in them. Right. And so what we hope to do is give you kind of some bearings as, as we walk through here as to, as to where you're kind of where you can take up, you pop your head up and go, now where am I again? Right. Um, yeah. and, and Epic is the best word that I know <laughs> to describe, right? I mean, it really, it really is epic sweeping. You know, these are, these are the Lord of the Rings movies that are, you know, yeah. Yeah. six hours long extended edition. I mean, that's, you know, you, you can, you can can lose yourself, but we're going to try to help give you some bearings. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like going from a sitcom, right? To like you <laughs> yes. say, well, the Lord of the Rings, they used to have a 30-minute chunk, and wow, it's still going. Uh, but anyway, Isaiah prophesied, and that's what he says in one one, right? In the days of Uzziah, Jethroim, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, right? The kings of Judah. And and his ministry came about in the year King Uzziah died, which is probably 740 B.C., and he lived long enough to see the death of a name I can't pronounce in about 681 B.C. Um, and the rest of the the rest of the prophecies are dated only really in general terms. But as we've said, he was a contemporary of Amos, Hosea, and Micah that we looked at. Uh, but what's wild is right, we have no evidence that they knew each other. Yeah, They, they don't refer to each other, they, but, but they obviously prophesied at, at about the same time. Uh, he prophesied at the time that Assyria came, rose and eventually would conquer the northern kingdom. Right? That's, that's, that's how, the, how the northern kingdom fell. And um, the rise of that empire forced a choice on Israel. Right, who would they trust? Then in the face of this overwhelming enemy, do they trust God to deliver them, as he has countless times before? And, and we see Israel fall, and we, we see them make a, make a pact, right, a military pact, because they feared the nations around them. And as it turned out, that military fact was their downfall, yep. was what led, led to their fall. Um, and Hezekiah, which we'll see in, 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 in the kind of the middle section, the, the historical interlude, 36 and 37, uh, put his trust in the Lord, but he, I love, a, and, a, and a commentary said, he maintained an unguarded openness to Babylonian hmm. influence. Yeah. So it's almost like Israel fell from the outside and Judah fell from the inside. Wow, that's that's profound. Yeah. Right, and and we see those, but we see that in ourselves, right? There's times where we fear, and so we try to organize something outside, right? Jesus yep. and stuff, right, to to protect us because we need Jesus and our four hundred one k, or Jesus and an education, or Jesus and to protect us. And what we end up making allies with ends up consuming us. Whereas we see in, in, in Judah, we see things internally compromised. Yeah. And so that internal compromise eventually weighs in and, and, and the, the power of the word weakens on our soul, mm-hmm. right? And we, and we fade and we fall. Um, Isaiah d- addresses three distinct time frames through this, right? The first 39 chapters addresses the current time in the 8th century BC that Isaiah existed. Uh, 40 through 55 ad- addressed prophecies about the, the 6th century BC when Babylonia and the Babylonian exile. And then chapters 56 through 66 really addressed prophecies about all times and occasions until the end, right? They're incredibly broad yeah. and, be- and, and beautiful things. Yeah, think back to our illustration of mountain ranges, and you've got those all in this one book of Isaiah. 
You right. know, you've got the immediate mountain range. Here's what's happening right now. Uh, the Northern Kingdom is right on the precipice of falling. Isaiah will actually minister during its fall. Yep. Um, and and then, of course, trying to warn Judah from that example. And then you've got kind of the next mountain range of, of what's going to happen when the people are carried off into exile. And then, of course, you have the, the mountain ranges that are farther off in the future. Right. Right, and that's and and like you say, to have those things almost arranged like that, right? It directly, directly through. Oh the yeah, and so you know, what? And I love this quote. This is from the ESV Study Bible. I thought this was was outstanding. It says Isaiah's book is a vision in that it reveals through symbols and reasoned thought a God-centered way of seeing and living. It offers everyone the true alternative to the false appearances of the world. Wow, and we need that right now, don't we? Oh man, well, tr- just discerning what's true. Right, discerning what's true and, and what we know to be true is, is Scripture, is God's Word and God's faithfulness. And it's, it's a little disheartening, and you guys kind of talked about this a little bit, that we see so many, you know, even faithful Christians not turning back to the Word for their hope. Yeah. Not turning back. When, you, when you're in fear that not turning back to the Word and realizing God is going to be faithful, right? What, whatever our circumstance, whatever happens around us, whatever decisions are made about us, that God remains faithful. Yes. And that's, and that's what Isaiah continually says. Because the basic theme of Isaiah is salvation is of the Lord, yep. right? As the word salvation is used 26 times in Isaiah, but only seven times in the other prophets. Yeah. Even the name Isaiah, right? I mean, yep. Yahweh is salvation. So, that's right. It's all over. And so that's, that's what is echoing through this. And that's where, you know, that alleviates a lot of fear, because we believe a vaccine may save us, or we believe you know, some kind of economic mechanism may save us, or we believe some kind of educational mechanism. But you yeah. know, salvation comes from the Lord, and I, I, we we often lose lose sight of that. Um, and it divides into a twofold message of condemnation and consolation, which 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 is pretty fascinating. Uh, the first thirty nine chapters portray the need for salvation, and, and then the the last twenty seven reveal God's provision for yeah. it. Old Testament, New Testament, That's Old a, Covenant, New Covenant. Exactly, and that and that continues to resonate through these things, right? Um, Isaiah warned Judah of God's coming judgment, but also of his faithfulness to persevere a godly remnant, provide salvation through the Messiah, right? That's what we'll see in 52 and 53, right? That beautiful, beautiful picture of the Messiah. Um, The Messiah out of Judah will accomplish the twin work of redemption and restoration. Um, And Isaiah, as we've talked about, Isaiah is quoted more time in the New Testament than any other prophets, 21 times by name, and 53 times it's quoted or alluded to um, in the New Testament. Yeah, you think about the early church, and they they clearly, you know, they knew this book by heart, right? right? And they were watching, you know, in the Messiah, these these truths being lived out, you know, these prophecies being fulfilled. Uh, and so it was. it's amazing to think about how many times they made the correlation and connected the dots. Like, would we be able to do that? Right. Do we, do we know these words? You know, are we longing for these promises to come true the way they were? Right. Well, it, it, what are you looking for, Right. That's what, what Isaiah brings out so much is what are you, because that's really what salvation is about. Yeah. Is about what are you looking for? Are, are you looking for Jesus? Yeah. If, if, if he's your salvation, that's what you're looking for. And your eyes will tend to see what you look for. That's right. And, and so you will start to see Jesus in places Jesus, you wouldn't expect naturally Jesus to show up. Mm. Right? And so, and that's what we, that's what we saw with Jonah. Right of all the places to be saved, Nineveh. Right. right. Holy cow! <laughs> right. No, no faithful Jew would think would do anything but destroy Nineveh. Right. But God is so merciful; he he brings him back. 
And so let, let's start walking through Isaiah. I'd, I'd really like to read chapter one, because chapter one really summarizes yeah. the message of the whole book, right? That Judah is riddled with moral and spiritual disease, neglecting God while bowing to ritualism and selfishness. Hmm. Luckily, that doesn't sound like us. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Yahweh graciously invites them to repent and return to him as salvation is found in him alone. So this is just these are just beautiful words, right? Yeah. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children I have reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate as overthrown by foreigners. And the daughter of Zion is left like a booth in a vineyard, like a lodge in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. If the Lord of hosts has not left us for a few survivors, we should have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, what has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feast, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you, even though you make many prayers. I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. How the faithful city has become a whore. She was full of justice. Righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross, your best wine mixed with water. Your princes are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They do not bring justice to the fatherless, and the widow's cause does not come to them. Therefore, the Lord declares, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, ah, I will get relief from my enemies and avenge myself on my foes. I will turn my hand against you and I will smelt away your dross with the lie and remove all your alloy. And I will restore your judges as at first and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion will be redeemed by justice and those who in her who repent by righteousness. But rebels and sinners shall be broken together. And those who forsake the Lord shall be consumed, for they shall be ashamed of the oaks that you desired. 
and you shall blush for their gardens that you have chosen. For you shall be like an oak whose leaf withers and like a garden without water. And the strong shall become tender, and his work a spark, and both of them shall burn together with none to quench them. Amen. Let's wow. sing Just As I Am and Go Home. I think we're good. Holy <laughs> cow. Yeah, that's, that's one of those passages you read with a mouthpiece. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Because that iniquity that's in us all, right? He sees the faithlessness. And we talked about that with Jose a couple weeks ago, that, that even when seeing and knowing our faithlessness, God is still faithful. That's right. God still comes to redeem. God still brings his son. God still provides hope. Um, and and that's so encouraging. Again, that's just so encouraging to us in these days, when so much is dark and so much is wrong, and and even within the church, right? And I've had many conversations recently where people are very concerned about the culture, and and I and as Christians, I keep trying to tell them the problem isn't with the culture. Lost people act lost. Yep. The problem is the church. The church is not acting like the church. Yep. And we're not taking care of the fatherless and the widows and the orphans. We're not taking care of the sojourners. We're not doing justice and loving mercy and walking humbly with our God. Yeah. Those are the things that, I mean, that's not when people think of the church, that's not what they say. Yeah. Well, the, you know, God, the energy of God's people, Isaiah is telling us, it should always be exerted in that direction, Amen. right? I'm going to fix my eyes on God and I'm going to do what he's called me to do. That's right. And the culture is going to do what it's going to do. That's right. But if I do what God's called me to do, then, then you know, eyes are drawn to that. The power of the spirit is with me as I seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. So it, it's, it's uh, you know, it is, it's convicting. You know, again, I think of that old preacher phrase, if you can't say amen, say ouch. <laughs> That's right. It's grand, Grandmama Ware used to say that to me. Holy cow, baby dog can't say amen, you got to say ouch. Um, and, and, so, and so we see God, right, and, and, and that, that, that judgment. But then, you know, chapter 6, we see Isaiah's call to be the prophet. Yeah. All right, and we'll, and we'll read some of these. I'm a, I'm, let's go kind of through the outline, then we'll read a few of the, the well-known passages. Right, it's called to be a prophet, and then 7 through 12 is called the Book of Emmanuel, right, and, and consistently refers to the to the true Messiah and the, anticipates his return. Uh, 13 through 23 uh, is, it goes kind of from local to regional judgment. We saw that in, in other prophets where he would do, make the ring around around Jerusalem. And he does this, right, a series of oracles against 11 surrounding nations. And then 24 through 27 is Isaiah's little apocalypse, right? The universal tribulation followed by the blessings of the kingdom. Yeah. Um, 26 through 33 produ- uh, pronounced six woes on Israel and Judah for specific sins, right? And it, and it closes with a general picture of the international devastation that will precede universal blessing. And I love I loved that phrasing. Mm-hmm. And then the second chunk of, of this, of the first 39 chapters, is a historical parenthesis. And it looks back on the Assyrian invasion of Judah and anticipates the coming ba- of, of the Babylonian invasion of, of or is, I'm sorry, the Assyrian invasion of Israel and then the uh, Babylonian invasion of Judah. And, you know, Judah escapes Assyria, but it doesn't escape the hands of the Babylonians. Right. Um, and God, God answers Hezekiah. And we see that's all during Hezekiah's reign. He, he answers Hezekiah's prayers for deliverance from Assyrian destruction and adds 15 years to Hezekiah's life uh, when he turns to the Lord. But as we said before, he, he, he turns to, he shows all his treasures to the Babylonian messengers. Isaiah says, you know, one day the Babylonians will carry these treasures and your descendants to their land. Yeah. And so that had to, that had to be a, a, a heartbreaking thing, right? For the, for the king to hear that, that, that even though, even in his faithfulness and, and God's blessing, 
that uh, yeah. that it would still not end well for the country. Well, and that section right ends ends on these really really dark notes that you were talking about earlier, yeah. and so it's that that kind of reminder that it's always darkest just before the dawn. Right, because forty begins some some of the beautiful. And we'll read forty in just a minute. Right, some of the really beautiful restorative words that heaven pronounced. Right, the divine condemnations of Judah, Israel, Isaiah comforts uh, God with God's promises of hope and restoration. Uh, 40 through 46 shows the basis of that hope, right, which is the yep. sovereignty and majesty of God. 115 of the 216 verses speak wow. to God's greatness and power. Yeah. Wow. Uh, right, the creator is contrasted with our, with our idols, right, and that, and that Babylon will carry them off, but Babylon will be judged and God's people will be released. That, that there's nothing that Yahweh isn't e- it's not even comparable to these idols that we make up. Yeah, it's like this valley, right? And he's yep. seeing right through to the other side. That's right. And he says, we're going to go through the valley, but we will, but we will, you know, the Lord, their faithful remnant will be restored. Yeah. Uh, 49 through 57 uh, concentrate on the coming Messiah and, and the, right, the Savior, the suffering servant, and we'll, we'll read a good bit of that, and uh, that he's going to be rejected but exalted pay for their iniquities, right? Ushering in a kingdom of peace and righteousness, right? There's a peace and a righteousness found only in Christ. And, and these, are, these are some of the most beautiful words written, written about that. Uh, 50 through 56 show us that, that, that all that acknowledge their sins and trust in him will be delivered. And in that day, Jerusalem will be rebuilt. Israel's borders will be enlarged. The Messiah will reign in Zion. Um, God's people will confess their sins. The enemies will be judged. Right? Peace, prosperity, and justice will prevail. And God will make all things new. Come, right? Lord Jesus. Amen. Yeah, we, I think we're ready. Uh, we're, we're good for that in this day. So let, let's go look back at a couple of the a couple of the past. We read read uh, we read uh, chapter, chapter one, one. Mm-hmm. and so let's look over to chapter six and Isaiah's commissioning. Right? He says, and if we go down to verse eight, he said, and I heard the voice of the saying, "Whom shall I send?" And who will go for us? And then I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go and say this to the people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. And so he talks about how unsuccessful Isaiah's <laughs> words to the people would be. That's yeah, we, we love this passage, right? <laughs> here I am, God, send me. And then God basically says, and no one's going to listen to you. Right. <laughs> and you're, and you're, right, and nothing's going to happen. With all that you do, all that you go through, nothing yeah. is going to right. These people, but but it's important, just like all the prophets and like us. The, the, our our responsibility is obedience. That's right. Right. The results are up to God. That's right. So our job is to preach the word, live the word faithfully, and, and we have to to know. And that's part of what God was doing. Of course, he was he was indicting his people. Right. That way, they could never say, "Well, you never told us." That's right. Right. You you know what is good. Yes. Right. You know what is good. You know, echoing back, and there's several prophets that have told us, "You know what is good." Right, there's not an excuse for it. But yeah, I would be pretty depressed as a preacher if I went through that such a dramatic, I mean, train of his robe, filling the temple, who's <laughs> right. going to go, I'm in, God, I'm in. And you know, you want to hear thousands will be saved as a result of your ministry, and instead, nobody's going to listen to you. <laughs> nobody's going to see anything. Nobody's going to know. It's like, how can they be? And it, it, like you say, just it, 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 that had to be kind of a, not what, what, what Isaiah was looking to hear. Um, <laughs> just not what he was looking to hear. And then, of course, we go on over to chapter 7. We, we know the famous sign of the Messiah right there in verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows what how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. Yeah, yeah, double fulfillment. Again, right. a lot of people miss that, that there, there, you know, there was immediate fulfillment. Yep. Uh, and I Isaiah's lifetime of this prophecy, but of course it points to the great Emmanuel. That's right, the one to come. And of course, chapter nine, you know, what, what, what we read at Christmas, 
Um, yeah, but there is no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea and the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, mm-hmm. right? Those who dwelt in the land of dark, deep darkness, on them has shone a light. You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you and has joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden, the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult, and every garment roiled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Yeah. I mean, you know, and we take that, you know, and, and it's, that is beautiful. I've run to us. I've got Handel's like, Messiah playing in my it's in exactly, background in my exactly mind right now. All these magnificent things. But what it comes out of, right, the people in darkness, yeah. yep. right, they're walking in darkness, see this great light. Yeah. And we, we miss, again, I, we, we've said that earlier, we miss so much of these beautiful passages of Isaiah come out of very trying places. Oh, right. Very trying circumstances. Yeah, well, in the light, right, it's dawned from the outside, Isaiah tells us. That's not, right. Not from within. That's right. So this isn't, you know, find it within you. This is something has to break upon you. God has to do something in order for us to be saved. That's right. That's right. And then we head over to, to, to chapter 40, right, where the, where, the, where the hope comes. Read the first, first eight chapters of that. You know, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her. And her warfare is ended and her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill made low. And uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places as plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Right? Wow. Uh-huh. That after all of this condemnation, all of this, he says, comfort, comfort. Yep. My people, says your God, speak tenderly. After all of this harsh judgment, all of these harsh words, we speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Well, and we know this was, you know, written for God's people to encourage them while in exile. Right. And and so, you know, that word of comfort and hope, even after discipline, even after pain, you know, uh, people at this point, you know, had lost both of those things, comfort and hope. And, you know, what happened was this beautiful rebirth and exile of God's people rediscovering their identity, right. rediscovering his word, you know, and the words of Isaiah were, were the, kind of the jet fuel for, for that, that process that God keeps his promises, right? Verse eight, the grass withers, the flowers right. fade, but the word of the, the Lord, Lord our God stands forever. Amen. That will preach. Amen, and 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 that's the that's the faithful remnant, and that's what they reminded of, right? When we looked at the difference between Chronicles and Kings, right? When Chronicles was written to those coming out of the exile, there's there was a necessary hope, right, and a necessary drawing that the line of David continues. Yeah, and that's what we also see here: the Davidic line continues, and that that's critical to the Jewish to the Jewish line of, of hope leading to Jesus. 
that all that remains faithful, right? And the chapter ends, why say you, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded, my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall take up, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That God says, you've been trying to do all of these things in your strength. Yeah. You've been doing all this thing, military alliances, adopting other cultures, right? all of this faithfulness. And if you will just rest, if you will just rest in me, if you will abide in me, right, I will take care of these things. Yeah. You will you will run and not be weary. You will walk and not be faint. That my my strength is enough for you. Yeah, I've always found it fascinating that in verse uh, thirty one there, the word for wait can also be translated trust, and right. it can also be translated hope. Wow, they are all intertwined in the Hebrew: waiting, wow. hoping, trusting. Wow, and that and that's so much of what we do, right? That when we when we're seeing God's timing, because we've all been led into circumstances, we're going, you know, Lord, if you don't show up. And at exactly the right time, he shows up. Yeah, that's it. Right, exactly the right timing. And that's that trust that we have to have. But that goes back to how do you live your life? Mm-hmm. You know, do you live your life like you actually believe what Jesus says is true? Yeah. And, and if you do, then you will right, run and not be weary and walk and not grow faint. There's, there's, there are just there are so many examples you, you know, out of your ministry, out of my ministry, that you can see the Lord's strength at work. Yeah. That they're just things you and I couldn't endure, you and I couldn't do. Yeah. Uh, without, without him. Well, I think the longer I spend in pastoral ministry, I mean, you know, we love the image of the eagle soaring, you right. know, and that's that's encouraging to us. And there are times, man, just God is at work and it's it's just breathtaking. Uh, running and not growing weary, right? Just endurance yeah. and just, but the longer I spend in ministry, you realize how important that last phrase is, walk and not be faint. Right. That sometimes it takes everything, right? That, that God's doing within me to just put one foot in front of another and keep moving. Right, just just take the next step, and yes. that's 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 the right. It's the it's the you know light into my path and lamp that's into right. my feet. It's not a headlight down the road. That's right. And so what we need to worry about is what's the next step. We yeah. know the Lord orders our steps. Yep. And if you have trust in Him, you know those steps are leading to Him. And so all we've got to worry about, He gives you enough light, right, not to stumble and enough to see the next step. Yeah. And and that's what He provides for us, and and that's what we see in this. Like you said, that that image of just the the faithful, right, long obedience in a in a in, in the a, same direction, same direction, mm-hmm. right. Eugene Peterson's book, I think, it's a Nietzsche quote, unfortunately, I think. But uh, anyway, and and then we get to the Messiah passages, right, uh, fifty two and fifty three, and I'd like I'm going to read another long chunk of scripture just because this is just. Unbelievably beautiful. And, I, and this first verse is, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. And I always thought that was strange. Mm-hmm. Right? Of all the things to, to say how beautiful on the mountains are the feet. Feet are not particularly beautiful. <laughs> right. Right? But but the Lord says, look, when you're walking in the right way, yeah. when you're taking the right steps, right? blessed are you. Blessed are even the feet of him. Yeah, and right? Paul uses that in Romans 10. Right. That's exactly right. Who publishes peace, right? Who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns, right? That comes and reminds us of the truth of who's in control. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy, right? Watchmen are usually there to sound the trumpet when the enemy comes. And these watchmen lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. 
right? Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of her. Purify yourselves, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. You shall not go out in haste. You shall not go in flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Amen. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up, and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance so was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind, so shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him, for that which was, has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before them like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep before him, that before it shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days, and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul you shall see and be satisfied. By the knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Right, that, that prophetic vision of the Messiah, the prophetic vision of, of Jesus. And because we see so many pleasant pictures of him, right, with flowing right. hair and, and, you know, and nothing about him would be attractive to us. Yeah. Right? There's, there's nothing, we, you know, he, he doesn't look like a rock star. He doesn't look like a movie star. He, he looks unbelievably ordinary. Because that's not what attracts us is what he looks like. That's right. It's what attracts us is who he is. That's right. Right, and what he does for us and the the ultimate service that he provides for our salvation, right, that he takes away our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. And we see, but we make sacrifice for our children, right? We make sacrifices for our friends sometimes, but there's nothing even abounding toward this. Yeah. Right? That, that, that the level of sacrifice of be of God becoming man and dying on a cross for my sins, for your sins, and then being raised on the third day so that we may be raised to a new life and walk with him eternally. I mean, 
you know, it, you know, it's kind of the mic drop, right? That, yeah. that, that's a that's about all there is. Well, and just the the sheer amount of intentionality, every phrase, every verse in that yep. passage, you know, pointing to what Jesus suffered on our behalf as the yep. suffering servant, and you know, it's always remarkable to us that you know people uh, people didn't get that they wanted right. to see a Messiah. You, earlier, you talked about seeing what we want to see. Right. They wanted to see the political leader. They wanted mm. to see the military hero. You know, they didn't want to look at a guy who was going to be bloodied and brutally killed this way. Right. And yet, you know, that's what our God did for us. Right. We, we want salvation on our terms. That's it. Right. And we do the same thing, right? I want a God that's going to make my life comfortable and easy. Yep. Right. And they've got gods that'll tell you that, right? There, there are plenty of gods out there sure. that will tell you that. They're all false. Right. And, and none of them will lead you there, but they'll tell you that. Yep. You know, and Jesus, the the one of the you know, amazing things about Christianity that, that among the things that caused me to follow it was it, it it gives a realistic depiction of man and a realistic depiction of life. Yeah, and 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 it it above any other religion that I've looked at, above any other you know, philosophy that I've seen, it provides a realistic understanding of what life really is like. Mm. That and, and and that truth, it it goes back to those laws, right? Those laws that are the way that things are the way they really are. And so we align, when you align your life with Jesus, when you align your life with God, you're aligning your life to the way things really are in spite of the way the world often looks. Yeah. And, and that's what we see promised to us. That's what we see lived out, right? We want, we want like you say, we want a warrior on a horse that's going to go take over the government and take over the or whatever and you know, righteousness will be yeah. imposed. And yeah. that's not what God does. Yeah. Yeah, now, that, that warrior's coming. He is, oh in yeah. In the second coming. <laughs> oh yeah. So, But in the first, yeah. this is the way he chose to, came, to come. This is what he chose to do on our behalf. Right, and, and, and to humble our hearts toward that. Right, And again, all of these things should, I would think, would make us more, as Christians, among the more humble people because of what all has been done on our yeah, behalf and, and been done for us. And yet oftentimes, right, we... we uh, we we see too much of ourselves. We kind of make Christ into our image. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, um, and that that just that yeah just just that's just beautiful stuff. And let's yeah. let's uh, let's do the one last passage on yeah. on, on sixty one. That's well, a great segue, right? Because uh, Jesus literally quotes quoted from this. this passage at the beginning of his ministry. <laughs> that's right. So this was kind of his almost his you know, mission statement declar- yeah. declaration, right? The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to whom all to comfort all who mourn to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes the oil of gladness instead of mourning the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit that they may be called oaks of righteousness the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified they shall build up in the ancient the ancient ruins they shall rise up the former devastation they shall repair the ruined cities and the devastation of many generations wow yeah Right. Wow. Yeah, there it is. What's interesting, of course, about that is that, yes, that is the mission statement of Jesus. In the first coming, he, he reads that place in the scroll, right. but he stops with to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Right. Right. The second right. coming will be the day of the vengeance of our God. That's right. That's right. Yeah, just, yeah, that, Wow. I'm not sure. Not sure what else to say at that point. Yeah, it's it's pretty tough. Well, I, I think to your you know to your takeaways, you know that that's what Jesus came to do was right. to show us how the light penetrates the dark. 
Right, and that and that's what that's what you know. As I kind of you know, we've been thinking about Isaiah for a while, and and we we see all of these beautiful you know light bearing passages, not realizing the dark context that they're put in. Right, right. That that, that all of this hope, all of this the, all of this hope raised up out of uh, judgment and darkness and disobedience and faithlessness, and and I, and I don't say that to be discouraging, but to be encouraging. Right. That, that as faithless as we are sometimes, as faithless as we see things be the church being as faithless as we see ourselves being Jesus can still redeem that light can come out of that darkness he still uses us he still forgives us he still he still died to forgive those transgressions yeah well Isaiah one of the gifts of it as epic as it is is that we literally i.e. Psalm 23 get to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and come out on the other side right that's exactly right. You know, some of the, some of the prophecies, some of the shorter prophets. You know, we we just get the, the valley, so to speak, with some promises of hope, of course. But Isaiah, we literally get to glimpse. You know, not only the coming of Jesus and the fulfillment of the suffering servant, but also into the eschatological big word for the day future. That's exactly right. And 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 that lead right, and the and the overarching theme of that whole journey is that salvation comes from the Lord. Yeah, that's right. right. You can sum up all of these words, all of these word pictures, right. all of this poetry. Salvation comes from God, right? And that, and and that's where this lands, and and that's what what echoes throughout, right? And we see little punches rise up, and then at the end, we just see the magnificence of the Lord and His salvation, and yeah. and the hope that we have, and 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 the the mercy and grace that He bestows on us. Yeah, and how beautiful is that? How yeah. beautiful is that? Incredible. Well, well done, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know. There's that's... many people who can can summarize Isaiah in <laughs> under forty five minutes. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was a, that was a, there was a lot of prayer and the, the Lord's work on that. So I, I yeah. appreciate it. I well, appreciate again, it. we can't feed you in thirty to forty-five minutes a week. We can only make you more hungry. So we hope this has really made you hungry to dive back into the Book of Isaiah as you read it along with us this summer. Mm. Can I pray for us, Brian? Absolutely, please. All do. right, Father, thank you, thank you that uh, as we've read, God, the grass withers, the flowers fade but the word of the Lord our God stands forever. And that word shows us that you take sin seriously, but God, in the midst of the darkness that we've created by our own sin, in the midst of the brokenness of this world, there is hope, hope for those who put their trust in a suffering servant who came to save us. And so, Father, we do pray that people are set free because Mm -hmm. they believe in that Savior. God, we do pray that people will join him in his mission to declare hope to those who are hurting and oppressed. And so, God, help us to be light in the darkness. And so, God, we love you, and we thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you for the truth of your word. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.